0: relive any of that stuff. But uh, anyways, welcome to the Sunday morning class. Uh, We are continuing to study the prophecies of Christ. Um, There are, count them however you want, I think we've, uh, the list we're working off of, I always forget this thing's an animated thing. It's like, ah, it looks so good. Um, Boom, 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 there it is, 271 Old Testament prophecies of christ and that's uh that's a list we're working off of there's others and sometimes i know i look at these things and it's like we're not going to cover that one so you know we're looking at a, at a list that has been put together there's other lists i've seen lists as high as 400 um, it's a number so we're looking at christ you couldn't miss him if you were looking for him if you were a student of the word if you were faithful and that's what happened. When it got to the New Testament times, those who proclaimed to be faithful, those who proclaimed to know the word of God, couldn't see them. And that's where we're looking at a why what, was, what did they miss? So, so actually, I'm going to cover four sections today because they're all small. So there you go, Chuck. <laughs> it's like, maybe I'll cover it. No, that's only one. So, so life as a child is the first one we're going to work. We're working bottom up for those who don't really know our system here. So in Hosea 11, verse 1, when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt, Egypt, out of Egypt, out of Egypt, I called my son. So this is a prophecy, obviously that Christ would be called out of Egypt. What else was called out of Egypt? Egypt occurs multiple times in the Bible. Moses. Moses. Moses was called out of Egypt. The people, were, his God's people, were called out of Egypt. Where did they? They were called out of Egypt. What were they doing in Egypt? Making bricks. Making bricks, yeah. Making bricks, making it tougher to make bricks. They were slaves. They were under slavery. Um, God said it was time for his people to break loose the bonds of slavery. Uh, He sent a messenger. He sent Moses to bring them there, and he was bringing them to the promised land. So this is, that was the first case. Uh, Jesus is going to be the same way. Jesus is going to be the son that's called out of Egypt. So there's a little... um, Maybe not so much prophecy, but more foreshadowing, or maybe just the just parallel to that, is what Egypt is, what it refers to. So Egypt is just not the promised land. You know, It's a place of slavery. It's a place that's not God's promise. Um, kids today, I say kids, young people today, um, they still use Egypt. Um, if they're somewhere that's non, you don't know where you're at. You're just out in the middle of nowhere. You're in the boonies or something. A lot of times they'll call it Egypt. It's a word they use a lot of times, so the word is translated that way, too. You ever heard it used? Yeah, you've heard it. It usually has descriptors with it, but not always. Yeah, not not always, but I hear Egypt even more than I hear it that way. So um, on the way to my in-laws, to the promised land, as Camille calls it, Henderson, Tennessee, uh, if we go up Highway 45, we go through a little town in Mississippi called Egypt. And it is in the middle of nowhere, and the only thing I ever see there is either cotton or uh, aqua farming when they do fish. Um, That seems to be what Egypt is. So there you go. So in Matthew 2, verses 13 through 15, that when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in in a dream and said, Rise, take take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt, remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet out of Egypt, I I call my son. So anyways, the angel of the Lord speaks to Joseph. He says, Herod the king is going to try to kill your son, try to kill Jesus, try to kill the son of God. I want you to go to Egypt. Hide there. You know, you think about it, it's God. He could, have protected, he could have protected that family from just about anywhere if that's what his plan was. But he sends them to Egypt. He foreshadowed that ahead of time, and that's what he wanted to do. He wants them to come out of Egypt. He wants them to come out of the wilderness. He wants to come out of a place of slavery. He wants to come out of a place where there's multiple gods. That's where the Son of God will come. Um, it's like us. Foreshadow it to us. Where do we come from when we find Christ, when we become Christians? Where did we come from? From Milky Way many. Where did we come from? Do we come from our own Egypt? Do we come out of slavery? Do we come from a place that's got multiple gods? Multiple gods? We're not, not call them Isis and Ray. We call them money, media, fame, me. You know, it's kind of gods uh, that, that are a part of lives. It's a place of slavery to sin. We've come out of that into the promised land. The promised land really being heaven, but promised land being the church. And that's the, the path that we'll take goes out of our own Egypt into that. So that's the prophecy of, of Christ's uh, Jesus's childhood. There you go. They had no other prophecies of collecting Legos or, or uh, getting stung by a bee or anything like that. We don't have record anyways, but... And another <laughs> chart. I get to do this four times today. So, boom, boom, boom. Messiah forerunner is what we're going to move into now. You'd think. I had two weeks to work on this again. All right. In Isaiah 40, verse 3, a voice cries, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. So this, this prophecy out of Isaiah, out of the Old Testament, says that Christ will be preceded by a forerunner. What is that forerunner going to do? What is the person ahead of Christ going to do? You can almost look at it as coming from Egypt to the promised land of Canaan, Israel. What's he going to do? He's going to make that straight, make that path straight, make it easy. Um, so he's going to do that for Christ, but it's done for us too. It makes it a, an easier path. He's going to prepare the way. And do we know who the forerunner of Christ was, Chuck? Yeah, the is there the right. You're right. That's all right. That's what it really is. He doesn't do it so much for us.
1: Now you should be looking for the Messiah. Right. Coming. And, and, and that was an important thing because before you, you may have had some people who were charlatans, but they weren't necessarily the person really who was the forerunner but elijah i mean the spirit of elijah, spirit of elijah. in uh, in john is the, is the person that that sins, but the one that comes after me come nothing he's but. the one he's the one you
0: need to focus on he's just he's preparing that way you're going to need to focus on the promise you're going to need to focus on the christ that's coming but then you're right he brings attention to that and that's really what the forerunner does What's that? Yeah, he puts the lens, he, he puts the thing in focus. I don't know if Nissan still makes the truck, Nissan and Toyota, but they used to make pre-runner trucks. Do they still make those? No? They, uh, they look like a four by four truck, but they're, I think they're two wheel drive. And they would be, uh, for like the, the big road rallies, the parade, they car and stuff like that, they would take these out on the path and they would basically, pre-run the thing before the road rally guys got there, run it at a 150 mile an hour, these guys would get out there and run it to know the potholes, to know the, what the path really was, and you know, stay on the left side, stay on the right side. I think uh, road, road rally still does a lot of that stuff, and they pre-run the course to know the hazards for that kind of thing. And I'm sure if you're, you're in the NASCAR or something, they have notes on Put your pressure on the tires on this. This is where you let off the gas, where you hit the brakes, the F1, same way. Golf, caddies, notes, they know where the potholes are and they know where the lakes are. They know how tall the grass is because it's been pre-run, it's been fore-run. And that's kind of the... But he's, he brings that attention to Christ. And we know the big mystery, the big secret isn't so secret because it's John the Baptist. In Matthew 3, verses 1 through 3, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. So John, is the, ba- John the Baptist is this forerunner. He is the one who will prepare the way for the Christ. Where is he preaching? Where does he start preaching? You got a Milky Way midnight that Tyson wrote. In Judea, what part of Judea? The wilderness. It ain't just the, it's not the comfort, it's the, it's the wilderness. It's kind of, that's how, when you think about the path like the, the, uh, the Israelites took, the Hebrews, I guess, really, as they came out of Egypt before they went into Canaan, that was described as the wilderness, the desert. So they're kind of finding a way, but that's where he's at. It's in, you know, it's in Judea, but it's still, he it comes out of the, the wilderness preaching. Who does he preach to in the places like that? Who wants to hear John's message? Every squirrel and rabbit. Chuck?
1: The people that came out first were all the poor, all the people that were downtrodden, all the people that felt like there's no way that they can control near to God because of their sin. And I think that's who he drew out first.
0: That's probably who drew out first, right. People who, who were the outcasts, the downtrodden, who thought there was no way that God would accept them because of their sin. And under the old law, you know, one sin is death. And so in some aspects they're right. But the, while the community treated them, how the, you know, the big, the big boys in town, how they treated them. So those would be the first ones. But they were kind of in the wilderness. And that was the prophecy for that. Um Malachi 3.1, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way for me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. So the messenger, John the Baptist, not only prepares the way for the Christ, but also, well, I guess this is really it. I think the second part of this is the fact that he prepares the way for the covenant, uh, and the covenant will be brought by Christ himself. But it's just another... Another uh, prophecy that he prepares the way for the Messiah, prepares the way for Christ. Um, and another look at, at that, Mark 1, 1 through 3, beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, it is written, Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way in the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Verse 4 and 5, John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance, For the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him, were being baptized by him in the River Jordan, confessing their sins. So, looking back at the prophecy, it says he's going to come out of the wilderness. And when you look at where he was at, that's where he was. And he's proclaiming what goes along with it? What was he proclaiming? What was he preaching? more preaches baptism repentance for the forgiveness of sins. What is repentance? Turn around. Turn around from a sinful life. See that that's not what God wants. To, to put that away. To lead a life that's more in accordance with God. More in accordance with what his will is. So yeah, that's what, that's what repentance is. It's putting away that. There's a big change that ha- happens with that. Um, Now John, picking up 6 and 8, John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So you see more about John. He's living out in the wilderness. What's he wear? He wears weird clothes, Right. Very weird, camel hair and a leather belt, okay? The leather belt maybe not so weird. Camel hair, anybody, anybody ever wear camel hair? Ever, Susan said maybe in the 60s, right? Did, didn't they have camel's hair coats or something back then? That was a big thing way back? No, I don't know. Anybody ever hear of that? No, okay, I'm, maybe it's something wrong. Does camel hair even sound comfortable? No. Doesn't sound comfortable. You ever anybody ever rode a camel, petted a camel, been spit at by a camel? Yeah, they're not not something I wear in a clothes from. But he did. Yeah. Well, cool. We'll give you candy for that experience. Or your ex and your and your daughter. My daughter when she was a baby. Your daughter. All right. So. But he's out in the wilderness, and he seems like a wild man. I mean, his beard's got to be cooler than mine. Um, and he eats locusts and honey. To me, these kind of are like John's version of the quail and manna. God provides these, and this is what he lives on. So he's kind of that journey, like I said, from Egypt to the Promised Land. John kind of represents that journey pretty well. Um, anyways. In verse 7, he yeah?
1: It's kind of tricky to get wild honey because the bees don't want to let you have it.
0: No, the bees don't want to let you have it. Maybe that's why you wore the camel's hair. Maybe it's it impenetrable be bee. by, by bees or something. Yeah, we have a machine at the shop It's out in the driveway and it's been there for forever and it's got a huge hive in it. So we can't move the machine. <laughs> we can't, it's just going to sit there <laughs> forever because there's, there's a big hive inside the thing. It's just that's where it's at. No, I don't know. Yeah, right. How do you get that? He did. So he's a he's a tough guy. He's not. He doesn't even really sound like the guy that's approachable, does he? Does he sound like a guy that you would go to to? But he starts preaching. What he ha, what he says to say has merit. People are coming. It says that not only back in the verse, and all the country of Judea and all of Jerusalem were going out to him. So the people in the country were going to him, but then from the cities and they were emptying out to go hear this wild man. Preach, John. I'm mean like Chuck.
1: What, he, what they were getting in the synagogues was just how how sinful you were. What reinforced in the Pharisees how sinful you are, and everything else. Here's a guy who's preaching hope. Yeah,
0: there's, there's hope. Yeah, it's not what the Pharisees and the Sadducees were not preaching hope. You're right. They were you're doomed. It was yeah yeah how to stay within the law. How to counter. Beans, how to count your rice, how to count your sins, um, all that stuff is what they're teaching. So it is. It's a message of hope that he was teaching. So people were coming to hear him. And his message is after me comes somebody who's mightier than I. And who would that be? It's Jesus. Wanda, you want some candy? I'm overlooking some of the best that's out there. Here you go. Two Milky Ways. Was that Wanda did that? She's always quiet, she always speaks quietly. He's got the best stuff. We need to move that microphone over to Bawanda. Checking, Checking your hearing. Checking my <laughs> hearing. I Mike's speaker up front. That's what we need to do. No, Have you he so actually hear better? Yeah, Jesus is coming, and that's what he says. He's mightier than I. I'm not even fit to carry his sandals. That's pretty low, isn't it? I mean, who knows what He stepped in. The sandals are dirty. They're just dirty. I'm not even fit to carry his sandals. That's how much greater he is. He's not this big greater i've baptized with water so he baptizes into repentance you want a new life you want to change your life and this baptism is part of it but he's going to baptize with the holy spirit and that's coming that's the foreshadowing of what's coming they're different Um, macamalachi 4 5 got a prophecy behold i will send you elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the lord comes so this messenger They're pointing to and calling him Elijah. Who did we say he was? The messenger is really who? John the Baptist. John 1, a little bit more about John the Baptist. And And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. They asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He answered, he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? They answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And in verse 23, he said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. I am not the Christ. I am not the prophet. I am not the son of God. I am not Elijah. My job is to let everybody know, to make straight the way of the Lord. John the Baptist says, I'm not Elijah. But in Matthew 11, this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, and will, who will prepare your way before you. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no greater than John the Baptist, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than him. This is also talking about John, but it says, John the Baptist is the greatest of men, but Christ will be even greater than him. Matthew 11 is already into Christ's ministry. Um, From the days of John the Baptist until the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets of the Lord prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears, let him hear. I think this is Jesus himself speaking. we got their Bible open? I don't even know why I didn't. It's Jesus himself speaking, saying, John the Baptist had a job to prepare the way for me. But he, doesn't, he never even calls himself out, he's, you know, because he's really not, he's Jesus, but he's not the Christ until, until after he's, he dies and rises. So he's, but he says he's the, he is Elijah, if you'll accept it, that. In Matthew 17:9 through 13 as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. And the disciples asked him, Then why do the scribes say about, First Elijah must come? Answered, Elijah must, does come, and he will restore all things. But I tell you that Elijah has already come. They did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they pleased. So also the Son of Man will certainly suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them of John the Baptist. This is right after the Transfiguration. Um, this is Jesus telling his disciples. And they say, You know, we didn't see Elijah. And he goes, He was here. John the Baptist was him. You see how he is treated. And we know that they came in there. The people accepted his messages. But those in authority, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they would do anything to stop his message. And then Herod himself had John the Baptist killed, right? Was it Herod, Herod had him killed? Um, Herodias, his, his wife had him killed. Yeah. What do you want? Uh, his head. So, yeah. <laughs> There's just a lot of power in that right there. And basically, Christ says, if you remember how they treated him, it's nothing compared to how they're going to treat, treat me. So, Christ himself, right after the transfiguration, says, Elijah was here. If you didn't see him, you might not see me. Keep your eyes open. But don't tell anybody till after the Son of Man is raised from the dead which we know is, that'll come.
1: Okay. His cousin, Christ's cousin. right? And he recognized him while he was still in the room, so the Spirit of the Lord was on John before he was born.
0: Before he was born.
1: Because John could look at somebody and say, are you repentant or are you not? Because when the Pharisees came out, he says, who told you to come to repentance? You generation of vipers, yeah. you know. He could see their
0: hearts. Yeah, he could. He could read people's hearts. Like you said, the spirit of God was on him from the womb, from before he was born. This is a special thing. But God used him for something very, very special, and you can see those clues that we still have this many years later. Let's describe that. I think uh, let's think this last one on John the Baptist. Um, He will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Um, That's his thing. He turns people to righteousness. If you're turned away from God and you turn away from that, it's the uh, turn before you burn. It's basically the statement that he makes. Luke 1, 16 to 17, He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord and their God. He will go before him, the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient of the wisdom of the just, disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. So his his goal was prepare people to hear Christ's message. If you're too, couldn't they hear, it if they were too dirty, couldn't they hear the message to Christ if the world affected their hearts, affected their lives, and they were. They've been told like chuck said in the synagogues and stuff that the sin in your life pushes you away from god one guy shows up would you hear his message you ever wonder about that today we got all the media outlets of known to mankind would you hear the right message if it came you know if you move that to today would you pay attention to it on fox or cnn or would it come somewhere else and that's for a lot of, you know, as effect by Satan is, like I said, the, the righteousness, the righteous turn has to happen for them to see the right. They have to be turning before they can even get some things out of their way before they can hear the big message. So, that's, that's what he did was turned people back to God. In Acts 18, I'm going to take this one, one step farther. Um, in Acts 18, verses 24 through 25, now a Jew named Apollos a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he only knew the baptism of John. He began began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. So in the book of Acts, so you've got your Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and as the church starts in the book of Acts, and it spreads... There's this guy named Apollos. Apollos is a good speaker. A lot of people, uh, he's, he's well-known. He's, well, he's a great speaker. He knows the scripture. He instructs. People listen. He's fervent, but he only knows the baptism of John. He doesn't know the baptism of Christ. He doesn't know the full story. So these two disciples, Priscilla and Aquila, they take him aside and they explain to him the full story. Do you know people who don't have the full story? Isn't that a common thing? I know a lot of good people in the world. Chuck? (laughs) That's it. We know very few people who know the full story. It's there, but how many people know the full story? You're right. I know a lot of good people. I know a lot of people who know who Jesus Christ is. They'll know stuff about Jesus Christ. Chuck and I were talking earlier. Some of the Christmas week, some of the, the, a lot of the places were full. Special services to hear the story of the birth of Christ, which is absolutely a, a true story. Um, people came out of the woodwork to hear that message, but did they hear? Did they hear the rest of the story? Did they know the rest? And this is kind of where you go here. They know the baptism of John. They know turn away from sin is what God wants. But They get the rest of it. Acts 19, verses 1 through 3, it happens that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus, where he found some disciples, and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you, were ba- when you believed? And they said, No. we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. They said to them, And to what were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. So here are people who heard the story of Jesus. They heard they needed to change from sin. And they were baptized into repentance. But they're missing something. Right? They're baptized for repentance, but they're not baptized with Christ's baptism. What are they missing? Is it, is it much? Is it some? Chuck? It's a crucial piece. It'll get rid of your sins. You're right. I don't think it went forward. And uh, some, th- some of the things I was reading in there that the people who were baptized into John did not receive the Holy Spirit, which we know that because it it'll come in. That'll be another prophecy here. But when the Holy Spirit came, they were able to receive that. This is a different story, this is after Christ, after the Holy Spirit was available. These people were baptized to wash away sin, but that was it. They didn't have the rest of the story. They didn't have the crucial part. Verse four through six, and Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on him, the Spirit, Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. We don't have the tongues and prophesying anymore. That was, a, that was an apostolic power. That was something that um, it's not needed. It's gone away. But you see these people who were baptized in repentance. They were told to believe that Christ was coming. But that was it. When they're, they're basically, what happens here? These people were only baptized in the baptism of John. What happens here? You tell me. Verse 5. There's a different baptism. They're baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And with that, they get the Holy Spirit. They didn't have the Spirit before, but they get it when they're baptized into Christ. So they had a big chunk of it, just not the little piece. And once it was exposed and they believed, And that's when I got it, Chuck. Not repenting from a it's not changing from repenting from a law, it's repenting to serve a risen Savior. It was repenting to serve Christ. To yeah, that's what it is. There's that faith in it that my sins will be washed away, that my sins will be forgotten, and that the day that the day of uh, judgment, they will not be accounted against me. And there's that that's it. In Acts two, thirty seven through thirty-eight, the famous part. Peter, on the day of Pentecost, preaches about Christ, basically says, we've been looking for Christ, um, basically like that. You've had the prophecies like we've been studying here. He came, and you missed him. As a matter of fact, you killed him. And in response, the people, the thousands of people there, in verse 37, said, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and Peter and the rest of the apostles said, brothers, what shall we do? Which you would do. If you're a faithful person of God, and you wanted to serve God, and you were there and you hear, you killed the Son of God, the question can only be, what can I do to be right with God? The answer in verse 38, Peter said to them, repent, like we see with John, the baptism of John, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So beyond repentance is the forgiveness and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's what, that's what they, he tells, Peter tells them they need to do to get right with God. Back to the the next section. All right, so we have John the Baptist, but we're also going to look at the baptism of Christ as the next section we're going to talk about. And that's kind of where these things kind of lead to the whole one big story, which I'm kind of lucky to tell in one day. Uh, I guess maybe I'm blessed to tell in one day. Matthew 3, verses 13 through 17. I'm going to start out with not the prophecy, we're going to start out with the story of Jesus' baptism, and we're going to look back at the prophecy on this one. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John, John the Baptist, to be baptized by him. John would, would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me. But Jesus answered him, Let it be now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, to him and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove coming to rest on him. Behold, a voice from the heaven above said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased." So this is the baptism of Jesus. Uh, Jesus doesn't have sin. So he's not being, he's not repenting of sin. This is, we have got a couple parts to it. It's an anointing of him that God points to him as being the Son. Like I said, this is my beloved son. This lets people know this is the son of God. It's also, this is where he receives the spirit, the Holy Spirit. So it's a, it's parts of that. And this is what's different with the baptism of Christ from the baptism of John. Psalm 457 Therefore, Therefore your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. So this is the prophecy that points to Christ being anointed, he is, he has been, God has called him to be more than just the people around him. He is, he's more than that. Like I said, he's my son, whom I am well, proud, well pleased. Hebrews 1, 8-9 is not a prophecy, but more of a fulfillment of this. But of the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. So in Hebrews 1, description of Jesus versus Psalm 45. Psalm 45 says you will be anointed beyond your companions. Hebrews 1 says it was, and it happens with his baptisms. Baptism. In Isaiah 11, verse 1 and 2, I got kind of stuff there for context, but the underlying one's really the key. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. I think Chuck used that verse last week, that prophecy and a branch from his root shall bear fruit, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest on him. And the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of God, the so spirit of the Lord, not lords, the Lord, spirit of the Lord shall rest on him. And that's what we see with the baptism when it comes down like a dove. Uh, in Acts 10, verse 35 through 37, uh, Peter opened his mouth. This happens um, right after the baptism of Cornelius and his friends, the conversion of them. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that is sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism of John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. So Peter's talking to Cornelius and his friends. These guys weren't pagans. They were Gentiles, but I'm going to tell you, they weren't pagans. He didn't just find the world's worst people. But Paul's telling them, Peter's telling them, you knew of this stuff. You knew about Christ. You knew about John. You know about the baptism of Christ. So then this goes back to the anointing of Christ, Jesus with the Holy Spirit. All right, that's that section. <laughs> and one more time, last time, I promise today. Two weeks from now, I to go through the same thing again because I'll forget again. I, like I couldn't figure out how to do it, but yeah, I, it's a nice slide. I really like it. It shows our progress. It shows what we're working on. It's a you know the, the graph. It shows how many prophecies fit into these categories and stuff. Uh, Chuck did a phenomenal thing. He's got we got a spreadsheet that he found these list of prophecies and he's categorized them. He's done a great job with it. It took a huge amount of effort to do that. Uh, Matthew 3, 13-17, we talk about this, the baptism of Christ, the baptism of Jesus, we've already seen this part. We're going to talk about it in terms of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord, Isaiah 61-1, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. The Holy Spirit was anointed on Christ for us. That's why he has it. We are the poor who need the good news. We are the brokenhearted who need to be lifted up. We are the captives, the captives of sin, who need to be let, set free. We are the ones who are in prison who need to be unbound. This is who we are, and this is why it was necessary that the Holy Spirit needed to come on Christ. It's for us. Isaiah 44.3, For I will pour water on the thirsty land and the streams of the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring, my blessing on your descendants. The spirit comes on Christ. It's part of us too. We need that. We are, we are the offspring. I know the Christ being the offspring directly, but the descendants, we are descendants of Christ, like the Jews claimed to be the descendants of Abraham. If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. That's in Proverbs 123. This is that repentance part. If you turn back to God, if you listen to his wisdom, if you listen to what, he'll pour out his spirit on us. And we'll understand what is his words. John 16, 7 through 11. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's your advantage that I go away. This is Jesus speaking. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, you will, know, you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. So the helper, as Jesus says, won't come until Jesus goes away. We won't have the helper with us until he does. And so it's his, that's why he goes away. So the, the spirit, the helper, will be here for us. Verse 12 through 15. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of the truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, therefore I said he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So the Spirit helps us to understand and uh, see. And then I'm going to finish off with Acts 2.37. 38, like we saw earlier. And that really is even the tie-in of all this. Jesus came out of Egypt, like I said. He comes, comes out of the wilderness. He comes out of a point of slavery to the promised land. He comes back to Israel. John the Baptist comes out of the wilderness. We come out of our own wilderness. We come into a, a world of a promise. Um, with the spirit, you know, when John preaches ba- repentance. He baptizes into repentance. He baptizes Christ, and Christ's baptism is different than everybody else. He receives the Holy Spirit with that. We see in Acts 18, 19, 20, people who had one baptism, but they didn't have the Spirit when they got that with being baptized into Christ. When they touch that blood, as they receive, like I said, what it's all spelled out right here in Acts 2.37, 2.38, um, what I need to do to get right with God, and that's where it is, to Repent be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for forgiveness of our sins, and we'll receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And that's really, like I said, we looked at the prophecies, but it all boils down to this one point of what, what we have in our lives, what's available to us that wasn't available at the time of the prophecies, and why it is. So, so I'll leave you with that. Good, is that a decent summary of why that stuff's all there? If you feel cheated out of candy, come see me. i got plenty of it. So anyways, thank you for being here this morning. And uh, Chuck's teaching next week in all likelihood. All right. Thank you all.